Our speaker this weekend is brand new to Northridge Church, but not new to ministry. He's been leading and teaching in the local church for 18 years. In fact, he was on Andy Stanley's team down at North Point, uh, part of leading and teaching at the Buckhead campus. But now, because of the impact of his ministry, he's the lead pastor at Citrus Point Church in Florida. And I'm really excited to have him here for how God's using him for what we can learn, but also because Darren Whitehead finally has some competition when it comes to accents because this leader comes from South Africa. I hope you'll give a warm, warm Northridge welcome to Justin Grunewald. Well, thank you. Thank you very, very much. And I must say that it is such a privilege. It is such an honor. And I'm completely humbled to be able to be a part of today and this um, unforgettable series. I really, really am humbled. When Brad called me and asked if I would be a part of this and asked me if I would share something unforgettable that I've learned about God, I thought, wow, what an opportunity. And thank you for welcoming me. And thank you for letting me share this with you here in Plymouth and um, at Brighton. Apparently, you're live with us as well. So thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. Now, before I jump into what I want to share, this unforgettable thing that I've learned about God, I need to say that standing in front of a roller coaster on stage elicits some feelings in me. Some good, yes, but some not so good (laughs) because I've had various experiences at different theme parks, amusement parks. In fact, I live in Tampa and um, we live right around the corner from Busch Gardens. Anybody been to Busch Gardens before? Yes, a bunch of you. It's a great place. It's really a cool theme park. They've got one ride that I think is the best roller coaster in the world. And the reason I think it's so good, it's called the Cheetah. The reason I think it's so good is because it's fast, it's long, it's big, but it's not that wild, okay? Because I can't do wild. If you shake me around too much, I don't, don't get me wrong, I love wild. I wish I could do wild. My ego wants to do wild, but my stomach just can't handle wild, okay? I get sick, and that may come from another theme park experience I had when I was back in South Africa, um, because I think this ride that I went on has probably been illegalized since then because I don't think it was very safe. But anyway, I did it. Um, You get on this ride, it's called the rotor. And and it's this big round room with no roof. It has a random door that you walk in. There's no seats, there's no straps, there's no seat belts. And the guy says, stand against the wall. So you're like, okay, is this safe? just stand against the wall. Didn't answer the question. Stand against the wall. So you stand against the wall, and then he pushes a button, and this thing starts to slowly spin. See, some of you nodding. You know where this is going. And it spins and spins and spins until the centrifugal force is shoving you up against that wall like nothing else. If you look to the left, you go boom. You know, it's crazy. You're like, and you pull it back. It's amazing. And then the best thing happens. The floor drops and you're stuck up against the wall. I don't know how fast you're traveling around like this, and it's, ama- it's unforgettable. I'm speaking about it 20-something years later. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I absolutely loved it. And then you slowly slow down, and you creep down the wall, and then you walk out, and then you throw up. And then, for me, (laughs) I was sick for the rest of the day. I couldn't enjoy anything else, and I think two or three days later, I'm still walking around like this. It was a mess. So it was wonderful, unforgettable in a horrible kind of way and in a great kind of way. And that kind of sets us up for where we're going today, for this lesson that I've learned about God, um, because 
the way I learned this lesson is through something horrible, and yet I learned something so amazing that it has helped me and carried me through life in so many ways. So I hope as I share this, it won't only be unforgettable for me, but at least you will get something from it in, in terms of your perspective and your understanding of God and how he interacts with us. So to get us on the same page um, and to kind of let you in on how I learned this lesson. Let me take you all the way back to when I grew up in South Africa. Um, I grew up in Johannesburg, a city very, very similar in size to Detroit. Um, so life there was similar in many ways, very different in other ways, but very similar to growing up here. In fact, I heard that Brad flew into Johannesburg to go to dedicate a hospital in Zambia. So he was in my hometown, which was very cool. Um, but I grew up in Johannesburg, and when I was about five years old, I prayed a prayer and made a decision that was so incredibly important for me. I remember it. I was lying on the bottom bunk of our bed, bedroom, and my mom was sitting there, and I prayed this prayer that many of you have prayed, and many of your kids have prayed, and the words went something like this, Lord Jesus, will you come and live in my heart? Now, think about that. In the mind of a five-year-old, that blows your mind. It still does for me today, but think about it, that there is a God who's bigger than everything, and he loves me, <laughs> and he wants to be there for me, he is for me, he wants what's best for me, and he actually wants to be in me and walk life with me, that's incredible. That was amazing, and I learned that, and I prayed that prayer, and I was like, wow, God, wow, life is going to be amazing. What could go wrong, right? Sort of, <laughs> because life was great for a few years. And I was kind of doing my thing until when I was about nine years old, things started to crumble because my parents walked into our room um, at nine years old and, and they dropped the bomb that they're getting divorced. Now I know divorce is very common in our world, but to a nine-year-old, divorce is not common. To the people going through the divorce, divorce is not common. It's painful. It, it causes a world you know to come crumbling down and a whole bunch of uncertainty moving forward. It hurt my mom, it hurt my dad, it hurt me, it hurt my siblings. I mean, we had no idea what was gonna go on. But you kind of go, okay, well, I guess we have to get through this. So you kind of buck up and you move forward because you have to. And then my mom met someone else and we we're like, okay, stepdad, let's see how this goes. And two years later, they were divorced as well. And you're like, whoa, is this... Is, is this how it's meant to be? And then, then, the best thing happened in a kid's life. Movies are made of this. My mom and my dad got back together, and we're like, yes, this is incredible. This is amazing, until three years later, for the third time, my parents were on the way to the divorce, again. And it was at that stage that I'm starting to go, God, I thought, I thought you were there. God, I, I, thought you I thought you were walking with me. What, what's, what's going on? And, and, and it wasn't just the divorce because that divorce was kind of in the middle of probably a six to 10 month period of my life and our lives that was possibly one of the worst periods of our lives that we've experienced because not just the divorce, but a few, a few months before the divorce, my parents had gotten into such a financial hole that they couldn't afford my mom's car anymore. So I watched, standing on the front lawn as a teenager, watched as a truck drove up to our house and pulled the car into the back and drove off with my mom's car as it was repossessed. 
Now, that's embarrassing for a teenager. That's painful. That, that's something that makes you feel very insecure, going, oh gosh, what's going on? Not only that, my dad also went bankrupt. And as a result, we were kicked out of our home. <laughs> so we're sitting there, and that's when the separation happened. My dad and my older brother moved into an apartment, and, and I was with my mom with my other siblings. And we were there, and literally two days before we were evicted, two days before we had to leave, we had no idea where we were going. God, um, what's up? Thankfully, there was a friend who went on vacation to the beach for two weeks and let us stay in their house. We moved all our stuff into their garage, but when they got back, we had to be out. Thankfully, again, there was another family that allowed us to stay in two of their, their, their bedrooms in the back of their house for about six, seven months. And that was amazing, but gosh, how painful is that? Losing a house, losing a car, watching my parents, the only people who were supposed to give me some semblance of security as a kid, as we're going through all this stuff, they're fighting and they're, they're separated and, and they, my dad's not around, what is going on? And then, to add insult to injury, I had changed schools, so I didn't have any friends, my girlfriend had dumped me, and I had braces, and the worst acne in school. No joke, a parent at the school approached one of my teachers and said, and this is a true story, approached one of the teachers and said, I will pay for medication for Justin's face. <laughs> How embarrassing is that? That happened to me. There I'm sitting from the little silly things like acne and braces and losing a girlfriend at 16 all the way to these massive, big, life-changing, painful moments of losing a house, losing a car, and having my parents get divorced again. The feelings inside me were in such turmoil. I didn't know what was going on, and I remember the day like it was yesterday. Sitting in that bedroom in the back of those people's house, I decided, oh gosh, I can't handle this. I can't handle this. So I stood up, and I walked outside under some trees, and I fell on my knees, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And sobbing there under those trees, a question came into my mind and my heart that is a very easy question to ask in moments like that. And it's a really hard question to answer. And the question that I asked was this. So where is God's love now? You said you'd be there. You said you loved me. So where is your love now? Very easy to ask that question. Very hard to answer. And that's a question, that's a question that all of us will be tempted or will face, will be tempted to ask at some point in our lives. And if you haven't asked that question or been faced with that question in something in your life, then unfortunately the reality of this world is that at some point in the future you will probably face something that brings that question up in your heart. And maybe you're actually sitting here today and you've got that question bouncing around inside of you because you're going through something just like I was and you're saying, where is God's love when we lose our home? Where is God's love when we lose the car? Where is God's love when my parents are divorced? Again, where is God's love? Maybe for you the question goes something like this. Where is God's love when the man that I thought I was gonna marry, I mean, we've got the date, we've got everything sorted out, just calls the whole thing off? Where is God's love in that? 
Or maybe it's this, where is God's love when the bank has called again and I don't have an answer again? Where is God's love in that? Where is God's love when my father dies of a heart attack or a stroke? Where is God's love when, due to no fault of my own, that the market changed or the industry changed or there's some reorg happening at my company, they're letting go of 100 people and I'm one of them and I have kids to feed and I have a home mortgage to pay. Where is God's love in that? Maybe for you it's not that. Maybe for you it's that you actually own the company that has had to make changes due to marketplace something that's happened. And you're sitting there and you know you have to let some people go and you know them and you know their kids and you know they've got a mortgage to pay but you have to look them in the eye and say, I'm so sorry, but we're gonna have to let you go. Where is God's love in that? What about this? Where is God's love when we've just found out that my husband has cancer and we have two kids under the age of four? And where is God's love when he dies? And now I have no husband and they have no father. (laughs) And while we're talking about it, why don't we bring in natural disasters? We're, We're looking back at Katrina 10 years later. Where is God's love in Katrina? Where is God's love in 9-11? Where is God's love when all these massive things happen? That is a question that is so easy to ask when you're facing these things and it's so hard to answer. And maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. I mean, you you don't even know why you're here. Maybe it was because someone told you there's a roller coaster on stage and you thought, I gotta check that out. Let me see what this is all about. But you're here today and you're not a Christian. You're not a church person. You don't buy into all of this and this may be why. This may be one of the reasons, because you've looked at your life and you've said, if there's a good God, where is he? Or you've looked at other people's lives and you said, seriously, I don't know if I can buy that. It's a hard question to answer. Or maybe you are a Christian and you have faithfully followed Jesus for years and you almost feel guilty that you've got these feelings inside because you're facing something now. Where is God's love? Like I said, it's an easy question to ask. It's not that easy to answer, but that's why I am so thankful that we are not the only people who've asked this question. This is a question that has been asked over and over and over again throughout history. In fact, it's been asked by people who have followed Jesus very well, who've never given up their faith in him. They've asked this question. In fact, even if you look at scripture, there's people in scripture who were solid followers of Christ who actually faced things that caused them to ask questions like this. And the cool thing is, the cool thing is, this is why I love the Bible so much, because they discovered some answers. I love the Bible because it's not just a book that describes Christianity. It's not just a religious book. It was actually written by real people who faced real life and lived in the same real world that you and I live in. And yet, as they did this, many of them had interacted with Christ and discovered things about God through him that just answered this question so beautifully, so emphatically. It's amazing. That's why I love this. In fact, there's this one group of people. um, They lived in Rome around AD 57. And this group, my goodness, they faced so many where is God's now, God's love now moments or experiences in their life. Like one, one situation, these Christians, good Christians, living well, good citizens, 
They were Christians, and yet what happened was there was a riot that was instigated by some Jewish people in Rome. And when that was instigated, the Roman government just got irritated with all Jewish people and said, you know what, all of you, we're expelling all of you from Rome. You can't live here anymore. So basically what happened is they found any Jewish person, they, they picked them up and sent them off to some other country. They lost their homes, they lost their, their finances, they lost their friends, they lost everything, and they were kicked out. And if you were a Christian and you were Jewish, you're out of here. Don't you think that person would have asked, seriously, God, what is going on? I've just lost everything. That was the people that a guy by the name of Paul wrote this letter to and addressed this exact question. That's not all they faced. They also lived in a time right around then when the emperor's name was Nero. Some of you have heard of Nero. Nero was the emperor, and he was a crazy, crazy man at one stage in his, in his time when he was the emperor. In fact, there was this fire that started in Rome that basically destroyed half of Rome, and everybody thought it was Nero who started the fire so that he could make space for his palace. And so he said, you know what, to divert attention from me, I'm going to blame the Christians. So he blamed the Christians for starting this fire, and then it was legal to find a person, if we found out you're a Christian, you can die just for that. Let me ask you this. Do you think they were asking the question, so where is God's love now? I mean, if I'm a Christian, I've just chosen to give my life to Jesus, now I can die for that? Where is your love in that? That was the group of people that a guy by the name of Paul wrote this letter, and the coolest thing is you and I can read that letter that he wrote to those people facing that, asking the same questions we ask today. And so I'd like to read a portion of this letter that Paul wrote to these guys because, because he answers this question, this question that I found myself under those trees crying out saying, where is your love now? And this answer helped me navigate that brokenness and walk out from under those trees with a sense of wholeness, and confidence that I wasn't able to find anywhere else. Because of this answer that we're gonna look at today, I was able to navigate that brokenness and more brokenness I've faced since then. And somehow, through the brokenness, live in a whole way. A couple of examples of how that has changed my life. Number one, I had a terrible relationship with my dad through the divorces. I didn't like him, I didn't trust him. And through this being a catapult, through this helping me through that time, my dad and I are close now, and I want to be like him. It's amazing to see the reconciliation that comes because of this idea, this unforgettable idea. Not only that, I was so scared of marriage, because marriage obviously didn't work, right? In a family growing, marriage doesn't work. Really, it doesn't work. You didn't never see it work. And then I met a woman that I fell in love with. What do you do with that? There's times I'm like, I wanna marry you, ah, I don't wanna do that. It's like schizophrenic, I don't know what I'm doing, this is scary. And yet, because of what I learned through this unforgettable lesson, I was able to move through that, get married, and guess what, 12 years later, my wife still likes me. <laughs> it's great, it really is. Third thing, third thing. Growing up, we as kids lived in such an insecure environment, all that stuff that I mentioned already, but then we also moved 19 times in 19 years. I mean, it was all over the place, very insecure. And then I have kids of my own. Oh, 
What do you do? How am I going to be a dad? How am I going to be able to parent them? How am I going to provide security for these kids? And yet, and this is the thing that makes me so emotional, I look at what my kids are getting, and I look at what we got, and it's so vastly different. They're, my nine-year-old, my seven-year-old, they're secure. And it's not because I did anything good. It's not because I'm smart. It's not because I figured it out. It's because of what God did in me through these unforgettable lessons that I learned. And I was able to look at that and look at this, and it's so far apart, and I'm so grateful. That's why I'm grateful that a guy named Paul (laughs) wrote a letter to some people asking a question, oh my gosh, where is your love now? So let's look at this letter. Let's see what he said. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter eight, and we're gonna put it up on the screen as well. As you're turning there, let me give you just a little bit of context of what he's talking about here. He says two important things that we need to understand and acknowledge before we look at the answer. The first one is this. He acknowledges their suffering. He says, I know you're suffering. I understand you're suffering. Yes, that's true. I'm not gonna deny that. You are suffering, it's real. The second thing he says is also very, very important for us to understand. And that is this. We actually don't need a verse to understand this because this this is very intuitive. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you believe in God or not, this is intuitive. We understand this. And that is this. He says, we live in a broken world. This world we live in, as much as we wish it was perfect, as much, much as we wish it was you know, good all the time, the fact is we live in a broken world. You don't need a verse, you just look at the news. You just look at natural disasters, you just look at Katrina. Why does that happen? Well, the world is a broken world. Look at 9-11, look at the evil that happens sometimes. We live in a broken world, but you don't have to look that far to understand that. You can come a little closer and look at your own relationships. Isn't it true in your own relationships you feel and experience brokenness in that? There's rejection, there's pain, there's hurt that just comes up so easily. Marriage even, as beautiful as marriage is, it takes work. It's not always roses, right? You have to work at it. It's not perfect. There's work that needs to be done. That's just a clue that we live in a world that's not perfect, it's broken. And then the last you know, proof or evidence that this is a broken world, is just look inside your own heart. Because isn't it true, isn't it true that you and I have both found that we can't even ourselves live up to our own standards sometimes? You and I sometimes struggle to do what we say is right. Not always, but sometimes, and that's just a clue. We live in a broken world. And so, pain and suffering and loss and hurt It's normal in this world. It's par for the course. Don't be surprised when pain and suffering hits us because we live in a broken world. Paul actually describes that using fancy biblical language in Romans 8 verse 20. We'll put it up there. It says this. He says, for for the creation was subjected to frustration or futility or, or frailty. And he goes on to say a little later, he says, and it's in bondage to decay. Our world is subjected to frustration. We know that, we see that. Our world is in bondage to decay. Decay is a normal part. Pain is a normal part. Hurt, loss is a part of, as much as we don't want to admit it, as much as we don't like it, the reality is, it's true. So Paul gives them those two bits of understanding. I know you're suffering, and the reality is we live in a broken world. Which brings up the question, where is God's love in all of that? And this is where Paul answers it. I love it. 
Let's jump to Romans 8, verse 31. And I love how he starts the discussion because he said all this and some other stuff, and then he says this, Romans 8, 31. So what then shall we say in response to this? Well, what can you say? My goodness. What can you say to the broken world, to the suffering? What can you say? Well, let me see what Paul says. It's amazing. He says, what can you say in response to this? If God is for us, then who can be against us? In other words, God is for you. Even in the broken world, God is for you. And he is actually resolved and engaged to get you through whatever it is you're facing. He is still God. He is still bigger than, and he is actually there. If God is for us, who can be against us? But how do I know he really is for me? It doesn't feel like it. Well, Paul explains how we can know. It's so cool. He says this, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? In other words, if God was willing to give his own son, surely he'll give you everything else you need, right? Surely he'll give you whatever you need through this stuff. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. He'll give us what we need. Now, now, there's one little point I wanna mention here because if you're a Christian, if you've been studying the Bible for any length of time, when someone says, if God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, your mind, like mine, probably goes immediately to the cross where Jesus died. And, And that's a big part of it, a very, very important part of it. But I don't want you to miss the other part that we could easily just skip over. And that is this, God didn't, just spare his son from the cross. He didn't just not spare his son from the cross, from dying on the cross. He also didn't spare his son from living in the same world you and I live in. You see, Jesus lived in this broken world as well. Jesus felt the pain, he felt the rejection, he felt the hurt, he felt the relational dynamics, he felt the, the, all the stuff that you and I feel in this world, he felt that God didn't give him a free pass saying, you're gonna die on the cross, you don't have to worry about this stuff. No, he felt what you feel. Did God love him? Of course he did. Was God there for him? Of course he was, it's his son. And yet, he didn't spare him from the pain of this world. See, we go, God, spare me. And God didn't even spare his own son. It's an important thing to acknowledge. But if God was willing to give his son, surely he'll give us whatever we need. And then Paul starts to answer this question of where is God's love now? And I love this, verse 35, he says this. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Where is God's love? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Will any of that separate us? No, look at the next verse, verse 37. No, in all these things, no, 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 no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. None of that can separate you from God's love. In fact, no, we are more than conquerors. How and why? Because there is a God who loves you, who knows what you're going through, and he is there, and he is bigger than that. He's actually the only one bigger than all the stuff we face, including death. We're not bigger than death. 
As smart as we are, as brilliant as we think we are, we're not bigger than death. The only one bigger than death is God, and He, that God, is resolved and engaged to get you through whatever you're facing. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. But Paul doesn't think that's enough to let us understand the answer to where is God's love now, and so he wants to emphatically let us know. In verse 38, one of my favorite verses, he says this, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. So let me ask that question again. When you're facing the worst, darkest time in your life and you ask the question, where is God's love now? It's right there with you. It's right there with you because nothing, neither height nor depth, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor anything created, nor anything present, nor anything future, anything else in all creation, no powers could ever separate you from the love of God. It's right there with you. You. And there's gonna be times when it's so confusing, there's gonna be times when we can't explain why is this happening to me, and you just can't explain it, but what you can explain is that God's love is there with you in that moment, right there, helping you resolve and engage to get you through it. Why is this happening? We don't sometimes know. Where is God's love? Right there, right there with you. Does that take the pain away? No. Does it take the experience away? No. Does it take away the fact that you'll still face loss sometime in the future? No. Does it take the confusion away? No. But what it does do, somehow, this is what it did for me, is it somehow gives you a peace and a confidence knowing that there is a God who loves you, who knows you, He knows what's going on, and he's resolved, and he's engaged to get you through it. Because we're in the series and it's called Unforgettable, I wanna end by giving you a physical illustration of this, and hopefully this will make you, make it harder at least for you to forget what we're learning today, what I've learned. So I wanna show you something just to illustrate what I think Paul is trying to say, and what I think God is trying to say, thank you. Let's, let's just go with me here. Let's, let's pretend that this is you, okay? And this is God's love for you. So this is you, and this is God's love for you. And the way that we see God's love for us, the way that we feel about God's love for us is this. Isn't this true? This is you, this is God's love for you. When life is good, God loves me. <laughs> I can feel it. I mean, you get the promotion, woo! God loves, he obviously loves me. You meet that man of your dreams and you marry him, God loves, can you feel the love tonight? 
right? That's how we see it. God obviously loves me when life is good because I feel it. God's there for me. He obviously loves me more than that guy because he loves me. I can feel it. God loves me. And then what happens? Life happens and we lose that job or we divorce that man of our dreams and boom, what do we feel? That God's love is so far on the other side of the world from me. I'm feeling this. God's love can obviously not be there for me because there's nothing good going on. He used to love me, but now everything, where is God's love? It's nowhere to be found. That's how we see God's love. When good things happen, God is there. When bad things happen, God is so far from us. Another thing that's so important to understand in this concept is this. We also see it like this. This is you. This is God's love for you. When you are good, God loves you, right? When you do good, God loves good people. When you go to church, when you read your Bible, when you pray, when you give to church, God really loves those people. I mean, God loves good. He loves people like me because I am good. And then what happens? Because this happens to all of us. You mess up. You sin. And God obviously doesn't like people like that. When I'm good, God loves me. When I'm bad, because God, sin separates from God. We've heard So when I sin, God's love is nowhere to be found because God obviously doesn't like people. How can he love people like me? And we see it like that. When when I am good, God loves me. When I am bad, God does not. His love is separated. When When life is good, God loves me. When life is bad, he obviously doesn't. That's how you and I sometimes see God's love for us. What I want to do now is I want to show you how God sees God's love for you. And this is so important. So this is you. This is God's love for you, and this is wood glue. And it says here, it bonds stronger than wood. So God comes along and he says, I know you see my love for you that way. Let me show you how I see my love for you. There's no way that you will ever, ever be separated because I'm going to put a nice bead of wood glue on there that is stronger than you, stronger than anything you could ever do. My love for you is that, and I'm gonna make sure that I glue my love to you so that nothing can ever separate me and my love from you. No matter what you do, no matter what you feel, no matter what you face, nothing can separate my love from you. But I don't think that's a strong enough illustration because, I mean, Paul was so emphatic. He just went on and on, and neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nothing can separate. So I thought that's a weak illustration, so I brought some back up because I think we need to have one of these guys and make sure that we understand when Paul said that nothing can separate us from God's love, that nothing, neither height nor depth, neither the present nor the future, neither angels nor demons, neither death nor life, neither anything, nothing can ever separate you, if I can get it in there, from the love of God. So when you're facing something in your life and you're going, oh God, it doesn't feel like your love is there, where is his love? It's glued to you. He's screwed it to you. I mean, it's there. God loves you. No matter what, it is there. But, But again, I don't think this is strong enough. I really don't. Because, here's the deal. God didn't just give us a nice scripture for us to understand that his love will never be separated from us. God went ahead and sent his own son to prove to you and to me that nothing, he didn't just say it, he didn't just have Paul write a cool letter 
that inspires. He said, I'm gonna send my own son and I'm not gonna spare him from the pain of this world. I'm not gonna spare him from the same things you face. We say, God, spare me from this. He said, I'm not even gonna spare my own son. I love, did God love his son? Of course he did. And he said, to prove to you once and for all, that I love you and nothing can separate you from my love. I'm not just gonna spare him from life in this world. I'm not gonna spare him from death. And he allowed his son to be crucified. So that, listen, if you ever want a sure way of knowing someone's motives and knowing if someone loves you, if they're willing to die for you, they probably love you. And God said, I'm gonna let my son die on a cross so that there will never again be a question of whether my love is there for you. So where is God's love in those moments? Where is God's love when you mess up? Where is God's love when you sin? Jesus died before, even while we were sinners. Where is his love? It's right there with you. It's right there with you. And the moments in your life where you get to go, I've done such bad things, surely God doesn't love me. It's stuck to you. It's there. I'm facing such things. Obviously, God doesn't love me. Why would this happen? His love is there. But one final thing. I don't think this is strong enough. And so I brought one more thing. It's the thing that, that fixes all duct tape. <laughs> because, because he made it emphatically clear. He sent his son and he said, there is nothing, there is no one, nothing you do, nothing life throws at you will ever be able to separate you from my love. And I need you to know that, I need you to feel that, I need you to understand that once and for all so that next time you face that question of where is God's love now? Come on God, where are you? His love is right there and nothing and no one, nothing you do, nothing that you face will ever be able to separate you or me from his love for you. This is what I learned about God. This was unforgettable for me and it changed me and it helps me through the brokenness I still face today and my prayer and my hope for you is that it will do the same for you, that nothing can ever separate you from his love. Let me pray for you. God, I am so incredibly grateful. I'm so incredibly grateful that even though we live in a broken, messed up world, a world where divorce happens, where disease happens, where cancer happens, where death happens, where pain happens, even though that happens, God, thank you that that doesn't stop you. That is not bigger than you. You are the only one who's bigger than all of that. You're the only one who's bigger than death itself. God, thank you so much that not only are you bigger, but that you love us and that you are there and that you're engaged and that you're resolved to get us through whatever it is that we're facing. Father, I pray for the person right now who's in the midst of a painful divorce. I pray for the person who's in the midst of loss who's in the midst of facing a, some disease, facing cancer, facing something where they're asking this question, I pray that this picture will stick in their minds and they will know that the love of God that's real, that changes lives, that sent 
his son is there and will get them through it. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If this hit something in your own heart, this, this, there's something that you would love to talk to someone about this. There's going to be a prayer team up front at the end of the service, and if you can't stay for that and you still want to connect with something, someone, we, we've got this pull out on your bulletin that you can tear off, you can write something on there, and someone will contact you. But thank you so much for listening in. Thank you so much for being here. What we're going to do now is we're going to listen in as the band plays one of my favorite songs because I think this wraps this up and kind of punches this idea home. So what we want to do is we want you to just listen as the band sings this song wrapped in your arms and know, know that nothing you face and nothing you do could ever separate God's love from you. Thank you. just the start It's just the way you love me You're capturing my heart I used to try and walk alone But I've begun to grow And when you tell me just to rest I'm finally letting go I let go And I'm Let me go.